Give me, give me one second. I know we're live. Hold on. It's private, so no one can hear. Okay. Oh, shit. Hold on. Uh, I forgot to make my fantasy football or my uh, pigskin pick em pick. Oh, oh, I hope it's that. not too late. Joe just texted to remind me. Oh, I really hope it's not too late. I'm going to be so mad if I miss a pick. Oh, it's not too late. Go, Chiefs. Do it up. Commit. Oh. <laughs> All right. Ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. All right. And welcome back to the Jet Fuel Podcast, a mid-division Week. No, that's not what I meant. All right. And welcome back to the Jet Fuel Podcast. We are in between AFC East division games and nothing like talking some AFC East football on a Thursday evening. So I am Max Marcilla for New York Jet Fuel and joined by my co-pilot Adam Zalanka today. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Zalanka. Of course, follow the site at New York Jet Fuel. But before we get a chance to, to dive into the Jets, Adam, you know, it's week seven already. Somehow, I, I still can't believe it. And the Jets are sitting at three and three, the Dolphins at three and two. And you sit back and you say, wow, well, are the Jets contenders or pretenders? And you can argue, oh, the three games they won, Browns, Jaguars, whatever, it doesn't really matter. They beat up on the teams they were supposed to beat. But the fact of the matter is, Adam, the rest of the AFC isn't very good either. There's a ton of three-win teams that can be either three and two because they had a bye week or three and three like the Jets. And there are eight of them. The Buffalo Bills, the Denver Broncos, the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, and then the two teams playing on Sunday in our game, the Dolphins and the Jets. That game uh, we'll be covering, and you can check out our content for that on nyjetfuel.com. So, Adam, I just listed off the eight teams. In case you are wondering what's, uh, what's on schedule for those teams, the Jets and Dolphins, the only three-win AFC team to be playing each other. Bills hosting the Buccaneers, Broncos at the Chargers, Ravens at the Vikings, Titans at the Browns, Jags at the Colts, and the Texans have a bye week. So, Adam, with all that being said, are the Jets the biggest pretender of that group of mediocre AFC teams? Well, Max, you're right. It's a, it's a pretty mediocre conference and, and a pretty mediocre league overall this year. It's a very 8-8 eight eight kind of league, as uh, people have been saying. And regarding your three-win AFC teams, there's just too many. Uh, I, I think that there is some competition for the Jets as far as the biggest pretender. Part of me wants to say the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the way they every two weeks manhandle some team, whether it's Houston week one, Baltimore week three, or Pittsburgh week five, the most surprising win that they beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they sometimes find the way. So I won't, I won't knock on Jacksonville. I think I'll give it to Baltimore because uh, the, the Ravens three wins this season are not against world beaters of any sort, the Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns, and then the suddenly two and four Oakland Raiders, the four losses in a row Oakland Raiders. None of those are impressive wins. Meanwhile, the Ravens can't hang tight with any legitimate playoff contender. Joe Flacco remains erratic. 
their defense was harmed by losing their uh, defensive tackle, Brandon Williams, to injury for a few weeks. Even with him coming back, uh, I, I think the Ravens might actually be bigger pretenders than New York. It's tough. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's not, you know, picking the better team. It's almost picking the team that's not as bad or, yeah. or, or who's less terrible. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Jets, the Ravens, they're pretty close. I'm going to give the Jaguars some credit just because, again, their wins have been better than the Jets and the Ravens wins. The Jets wins have been against bad teams. The Ravens wins have been against bad teams. Then you look at, you know, what they did last week, Jets. Uh, coughed up a 14-point lead, Ravens losing at home to the Bears, which is just a terrible loss. So I, I think those two teams are definitely the the clear pretenders. But then you look around at them, and it's interesting because the other teams, again, the Jaguars, every other week they're really good. The Texans have been consistently a playoff-caliber team, although definitely never a contender for the AFC championship crown. But then you look around the Broncos. I mean, that's another talented team. The Bills were first place in the AFC East, except for a bye week last week. So now it's the Patriots. And the Titans, I mean, with Marcus Mariota, I mean, there are some good teams in the AFC that are stuck around three wins. Of those that I listed, the three-win teams, who's the biggest contender? I gave some thought to answering the Tennessee Titans, but their losses this year have been a little too lopsided and a little too embarrassing. Yes, Marcus Mariota's been hurt. Um, but especially the last two weeks with the way Houston just annihilated them and put up a 57 spot. And then their close loss last week to the Miami Dolphins, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to refrain from picking the Titans. They have a negative point differential. So that's part of the reason I'm going to have to go with Denver max. Uh, Even with their loss on Monday night to the New York giants, I think they were caught sleeping against a, a pretty bad overall team. And the giants benefited from, having uh, somebody else take over play-calling duties for Ben McAdoo, of course. Um, with that being said, Denver's defense is still one of the best in the league. It's superb. Trevor Simeon is not a bad quarterback. Uh, he's not, you know, one of the worst in the league just because he's, you know, Trevor Simeon. Uh, they've got a very good running game going again with C.J. Anderson averaging 4. Yard, 4.2 yards per carry and Jamal Charles averaging over 5 yards a carry when they hand it off to him. Charles is really rejuvenating his career in Denver, and Denver can string a few wins together as long as they take care of business in their division. I absolutely agree. And if you were to ask me Sunday, I would say no question, like Sunday night, I would say no question, Denver Broncos. But that loss against the Giants was just, I mean, again, caught him sleeping, and, and you could, look, whatever you want to say, the Giants are missing their top two receivers. We know all about the Giants' struggles. I I still don't think there's an excuse why the Broncos should have lost that game. It really, that, if anything, kind of personifies this AFC. You think there's a a clear-cut favorite, whether you think it's New England for the AFC championship, or if you're going up and down this list of of three-win teams, you're saying, oh, there's a clear-cut number one of those three-win teams, and then a lot of the Giants happens. That kind of just sums up the entire NFL season. Now, you know, a couple of those games like Titans Browns, you kind of anticipate another win for the Titans, but not like an impressive win. Uh, but the Jets Dolphins, as I mentioned, the only three win AFC teams going head to head. So, Adam, let's talk about that game. Jets coming in off of a, a heartbreaking loss to the New England Patriots, in which they, you could argue, they outplayed New England. I wouldn't go that far. 
but they definitely were in the game the entire game. They got out to a 14 nothing lead, and, and if it weren't for a, one of the worst calls in recent memory, that game might have gone to overtime. So the Jets played them well, and now Jay Cutler coming in – or excuse me, Jets going into Jay Cutler's home in Miami, and Cutler in round two with New York – Looking to be a bit better than round one. Offense was ineffective for Miami. Cutler was 26 of 44, 220 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Not a great day by any stretch of the imagination. That was also only his third game as a member of the Dolphins. And since then, he's been okay. He orchestrated a fourth-quarter comeback for Miami last week against Atlanta, which was arguably the most impressive uh, piece of work Cutler has done in Miami. So what do the Jets have to do? to stop Jay Cutler. What did the what did the Jets defense have to do to stop Jay Cutler? Yeah. Well, you know, I think we might have said these exact terms several weeks ago before the Jets first faced Miami. And that is the importance of shutting down the running game in order to make Jay Cutler force, you know, force him into making some mistakes. He is Jay Cutler. He's going to give you some deep throws that are occasionally uh, talent, talented. I, I hesitate to say beautiful when talking about him. But <clears throat> then he's going to turn around and make poor decisions. Um, the Jets are getting no pass rush on anybody practically in this, in this league. But the last time the Jets played Miami, they held Jay Ajayi to 16 yards, and no, none of his teammates had any more than that. Cutler, meanwhile, threw 44 times. And he was still relatively new. It was his, it was the second second game, I guess, uh, for Miami because it was week three, but they didn't play a week one. His second game uh, regular season for the Dolphins since joining them late up, and you know he was he was erratic. He was not going. He couldn't go downfield. He didn't have much of a play. You know, he didn't have a lot of the plays under his belt, so it forced him to to screw up a little bit and. If the Jets are able to contain Ajayi again and and take away the running attack, which nobody expected them to do probably week three, but they did it, uh, that should help a lot. I, I think the rest is up to Cutler. Uh, the cornerbacks and safeties, the secondary is playing better than the rest of the defense, which in, in one sense is, is nice to see after the suffering that fans did watching the secondary of 2016 fall all apart. But... Um, it's, it's unfortunate what has happened to the front seven in the pass rush that it's it's not like we should expect the Jets to knock Cutler on his behind a lot. He's going to have we're going to you got to trust Jamal Adams. You got to have to trust these corners who have already seen these defenders once. And the problem with that, I mean, sorry, these uh, these receivers once. And the problem with that is that the receivers have also seen the defenders once already. Yeah. Now, you know, you're talking about the pass <clears throat> rush and we've I feel like we're beating a dead horse. Muhammad Wilkerson, Leonard Williams, Todd Bowles. Would not would not criticize their performance at all, and and there was no it, apparently it was it was a little weird exchange. It seemed as if Bulls were frustrated when at, when he was asked about Wilkerson's performance. At least that's what a couple of the Jets beat reporters uh, the vibe they kind of got. But in my opinion, Adam, you know we've talked all about the pass rush. We've talked about the defensive line. I think that the thing the the thing that could really hurt Jay Cutler would be if he doesn't have Devonte Parker. Because here's a guy who played one of his best games of the season against the Jets uh, in that Week 3 game. Eight receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. It was a season high in catches, a season high in targets, 
a season high in – well, it was his only touchdown of the season and a 76 yards, second highest in any of his games this year. He was really good against the Jets. And he's the second leading receiver on this team, but he didn't practice again on Wednesday – or excuse me, on Thursday. And his status seems to be up in the air. So, Adam, let me know if you agree. I think that the potential loss of Devontae Parker – could be the most troubling thing for Cutler and the Miami passing offense. I, I feel you there. I think you're right. And uh, they still have Kenny Stills, and they still have – oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other name, Max. Besides uh, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, yeah, besides uh, Stills and Devontae Parker. They do have those downfield threats. Uh, I don't I don't know, how, you know, how uh, evenly spread the targets go to these guys, but – one of your option for Cutler is obviously a, a boost for the Jets' chances because they have, you know, it's not that it's the deepest defense. I know I just got done praising the secondary, but it's not like it's the deepest defense we've ever seen. They can only cover so many weapons. So if they don't have to spread the resources thin, then they're going to play better. Certainly. And you talked about spreading the targets. Well, Jarvis Landry has more than double the number of targets and exactly double the number of catches as Devontae Parker, the number two guy. So Landry, 38 catches on 57 targets. Parker, 19 catches, 28 targets. Uh, So granted, uh, Landry has played more than Parker this year, but it's still worth noting that Cutler has his number one option. He has that go-to guy. He has that, or he is building that chemistry up with Jarvis Landry. Of course, I'm sure it it doesn't help when he missed the entire training camp because the Dolphins were not – he wasn't even on the roster. But, yeah. again, another option, if, if Landry doesn't – or, excuse me, if Parker doesn't play, you, you talk about spreading your resources. Maybe if you don't have to put a double coverage or a shade, or maybe you can do, like, a blitz from the slot corner. The Jets have more options defensively, and that's when you get into – when you talk about getting pressure on the quarterback. Let's say you're able to blitz from the slot. I mean, we've seen Buster Screen is capable of blitzing from the slot. Or if you line up one of the safeties, probably Jamal Adams in that slot corner spot. Again, we've seen him be very versatile. Then you blitz him off the edge. Or you see him jam Julius Thomas at the line. The Jets have options. Because the Dolphins don't have a ton of weapons, if Parker doesn't play, Landry and Stills, I think – if you cover Landry, you're, you're, I don't think Kenny Stills will beat you. So I think that the Devontae Parker injury could be a, a big issue for Miami if he doesn't play. Now on the other side of the ball, the Jets offense coming in, and they the Jets will be getting a guy back. Positive injury news for New York. Bilal Powell is back from his injury. It was a calf injury, and he finally practiced fully for the first time on Thursday, and Todd Bowles said that he will play. So for the first time since, I believe, week one or two, the Jets will have all three of their running backs, Bilal Powell, Matt Forte, and rookie Elijah McGuire. All three will be in uniform, you would assume, unless the Jets decide to uh, inactivate McGuire. But I, I, I would think all three will be in uniform. So with Bilal Powell back in the mix, with Forte in his second game back from injury. What do you think this means for the reps? Who gets the carries? Who, what are the situations for Jets running backs going to be like? It's going to be it's a better situation to have all of them healthy and activated 
And you were guessing was it you know week one or week two was the last week that we had all three of them healthy and, and playing. It was actually week three against the Dolphins. You had Bilal Powell take 15 carries, Matt Forte took eight, and Elijah McGuire took seven. That's that's a that qualifies to me as a running back by committee sort of numbers, Max. And uh, since then, Matt Forte missed two games, uh, week four and five, with turf toe and made it back last week while Bilal Powell himself, he was uh, inactive. We've, we've seen the running game show flashes, usually with the two younger guys, not as much Matt Forte, but with pa- Powell and McGuire, you know, the next week against Jacksonville, they ran all over them. In this um, in this Dolphins game week three, which is the last, ch- the last time we can look back and see all three of the running backs getting a good portion of reps, uh, none of them had more than 37 yards individually, but the three of them combined for 96, which is not so bad. And more to the point, the uh, Jets dominated the Dolphins in time of possession in that game in a way that they haven't been able to do in the last three games. They held the ball for over 36 minutes against Miami. Keeps you know keeps the Dolphins' defense tired, keeps Cutler off the field. Uh, ever since then, it's been nearly it was nearly split against the Jaguars. Cleveland had like four and a half more minutes. Uh, uh, over average, so actually, so what I mean by that is like nine minutes more than the Jets did, and the Jets only marginally more than the Patriots uh, in terms of time of possession last week. My point there is that uh, that's that's one of the underrated things about the running back. Uh, you got to have a good running game, and uh, in in order to keep the ball moving, keep the clock ticking while you have possession of the ball. In addition to those uh, three guys taking. Sorry, I'm going to pull it right back up here. So um, there were 30 design runs between Powell, McGuire, and Forte. Josh McCown only had to throw the ball 23 times. And because he was not asked to drop back every single play, he completed 78% of them. He didn't throw a pick. He had a good QBR of, of 73. Uh, compare that to, you know, <laughs> the Browns game, for instance. He threw 30 times. Didn't he throw like 40-something against the Patriots? He was throwing all the time. Yeah, and, 31 and, and, to 47. It's it's and, night it's yeah. night and day, really. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, time of possession, it, it's a funky stat in football. It, it's an important stat, but there are certain games where it doesn't tell the whole story. So leave out time of possession. I think the main stat that you brought up that Adam I I wholeheartedly agree with yeah. is you don't want Josh McCown throwing the ball 50 times. Establish the run game and that's how, I mean, McCown, I don't know where he ranks now, but I know going into the Patriots game, he was like second or third in the NFL in completion percentage. That's what the Jets should be doing. Should be trying to not limit McCown. Like, I mean, we saw last year with with Bryce Petty or in the preseason with Christian Hackenberg where they just really limited them to that vanilla offense. I wouldn't say limit McCown, but you don't want him throwing the ball 50 times. You don't even want him throwing the ball 40 times. Control the, the flow of the game, run the ball, and let McCown throw it 25 times. Make him complete his passes. And and I think that is the key for the running game. And and you're right. It sets up the passing game. So McCown coming in, you know, put up 350-plus yards against New England. Granted, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that was against New England. That's not a very good defense. And it just seems no. weird to say that. But what do you expect from McCown in the passing offense to complement that running group? Well, I, I'd really like it to go back to what happened in week three where you had uh, nearly a 60-40 kind of run-to-pass run to ratio. It's probably not going to go just that far. Um, 
if if they split the carries, and to answer your question from before, I don't think that McGuire is necessarily going to be uh, deactivated just because he's had a good season so far in his rookie year. He's he's getting a pretty good yards per touch uh, going for him. As far as McCown, I don't know if he'll complete seventy eight percent of his passes again, but if he goes sixteen for twenty five or eighteen for thirty, doesn't he continues to limit the interceptions because he's Doing well in that. He's not a pick thrower. He's not Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give you six in one game and make you cry. But uh, last week he didn't really do that. He had two picks. He has four this season. Uh, if that's right, I think it might be. Sorry, six because of week one. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong side here. Six interceptions this year. Again, we've seen we've had Ben Roethlisberger for five in one game. Uh, McCown is careful, and he needs to be more careful next week. Uh, this coming week, I should say, against Miami, Max. Yeah, and you talk about the impact of Josh McCown. Again, you don't want him throwing the ball 50 times. It's all about balancing the offense, and that's something, you know, we've criticized John Morton plenty so far in his first year with the Jets. He's had his good moments. He struggled, I think, on third down play calling, especially at times in the New England game. But John Morton, for the most part, has run a fairly competent offense, and considering the weapons or the lack of weapons the Jets have, I think you can be pleased with with what Morton has done. So again, looking forward, you're right, Adam. You want that balance. You want the running game, and, and it really does. It's an old cliche in football, but it paves the way for the passing offense. It helps McCown do his job. And I'll tell you what, and, and we'll get into our jet to watch for this game. I think that McCown has a sneaky weapon that I think some people are forgetting about. So uh, I'll let you lead it off after I gave my little tease. Who is your jet to watch this game? All right. Well, uh, let's let's not go this whole week without praising Buster Screen, which is a funny thing to say out loud and mean it. But uh, Buster Screen had arguably his best game of the season so far last week against the Patriots. He did drop a surefire pick six early on, redeemed himself with another with an actual interception. Uh, he's only the second player to intercept Tom Brady through the first six games of the year. Uh, and later on, recovered a fumble. He was where he needed to be. He was, he was in the right place at the right time each time, making the plays that should be expected of a starting corner, one of your top two corners. So, you know, if Morris Claiborne can shut down one side of the field, you know, maybe he's not necessarily a quote-unquote shutdown corner, but if he can take on Jarvis Landry and force Jay Cutler to look at other parts of the field, whether that's over the middle or in the slot or out, out wide, screen... It would be nice to see. I think we should watch him. You know, he's a high flying jet. If we were doing the high flying jet uh, segment, he uh, he better continue uh, what he was doing last week. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Fire. No, I, I think Buster Screen was one of the better players in that Jets game, and <coughs> yeah. and, and you know he dropped one interception, but for the most part, Screen was really solid in coverage and and in blitzes. I I thought Screen played. He recovered the fumble. I thought that was probably his best game as a Jet. So I'm going to flip sides of the ball. I'm going to go offense. I, I gave a little tease. The weapon from McCown, Austin Safarian Jenkins. If he's yeah. not on your fantasy team and if he's still on waivers, pick him up because here's a guy so far this year, and, and keep in mind he was suspended for the first two weeks. He should have three touchdowns, but we'll, we'll ignore that. <laughs> he has two touchdowns, 23 catches, 152 yards. And Adam, here's a fun stat from the Associated Press. Safarian Jenkins is 23 catches, just three fewer than Jets tight ends. Wait for it. 
in the last two seasons, wait for it again, combined. <laughs> I mean, that's, why did I need to wait for it twice? Because that's just so, it's astonishing. It's, I mean, 2014 and, or 2015 and 2016, Jets tight ends have 26 catches. Safarian Jenkins yeah. through four games has 20. It, it's just incredible. I mean, I almost want to tell you to wait for it again. It's just a crazy stat. He's so, a man, and he's already on my fantasy team. I picked him up right before the Browns game. Very smart. Beto and I had a good talk about that, and I'm very happy I did because he's been – he was one of my leading scorers last week. It's, it's amazing to be able to say that about any New York Jet. But very smart. Very Jenkins is redeeming himself. He's a mature young man now. He's gotten past some of his demons, and – he, you know, he didn't pout and blame the refs last week. He said he did feel like it should have been a touchdown at the end of the game. And it should have been. Of course, he's right. I'm sure you were upset yeah. you lost out on six more fantasy points. But uh, at the end of the day, Safarian Jenkins has really turned into a security blanket for McCown. And I would watch out for him yet again this week. So, Adam, we'll wrap up our podcast with our prediction. Jets-Dolphins. Dolphins 3-2 and two entering Sunday's action. Jets 500. Looking to go over 500 for the first time in eight days. Feels funny to say that after we were saying first time over 500 in a long time. So, Adam, who wins this AFC East matchup? Max, I think the Dolphins are going to win. It's, uh, it's going to be a medium-scoring affair, not too low-scoring, but I, I have a feeling that the Jets might come out uh, a little deflated after last week's uh, saga against New England. They're on the road, which all makes it tougher against any division opponent, even if you're getting to go to Miami in the middle of October when it's starting to get chilly up here, uh, closer to New Jersey, closer to New England. So anyway, um, I'm going to go with the score of 23 to 14. I think that it's a pretty close game, a little back and forth throughout most of it. I think the Dolphins are going to stay in it with a lot of field goals. Their, uh, their offense isn't super enough to just... Uh, you know, run circles down or around the Jets or, you know, run, march downfield all the time and make it to the end zone. I think they're going to survive on field goals for a few quarters and then put it away somewhere when some blunder is going to happen. It's probably going to be Darren Lee or whoever. But uh, the Jets, I, I, I have a feeling because it's the second game, this, I, I don't mean this as a knock on, on Todd Bowles, who's been coaching as long as Adam Gase as far as uh, their head coaching positions, but... I think that the Dolphins will find a way to find the edge against the Jets in terms of studying the game tape the first time, especially when the Dolphins on the losing end of that, they don't want to make they want to make sure that that won't happen again. So once again, 23-14 in favor of Miami. So you have this you have Miami not only winning but covering the spread. I have Miami winning too, but if oh. if, if I was a betting man, I would not bet the I would not take Miami with the points. I, what are I, the points, Max? Did we talk about I, that I yet? I think it's five. Because I didn't, I didn't pick my my twenty three fourteen thinking the spread in mind. I hadn't looked at that. I don't know. I, I'm going to look up the spread because it, it's a weird week in the NFL where the spread is is very thin for so many games, and, and it, uh, it's tough to tell. But for the Jets, it is plus six for the Jets. So, yeah, or I see okay. plus five and a half, plus six. You know, somewhere around there. Uh, but either way, you you have the Dolphins taking the points. I have the Jets covering, but I have the Dolphins winning this game. I'm going to go, let's say, uh, let's say 20, 2017 uh, in honor of this great year that we are in. 2017 <laughs> in favor of Miami. I don't know. I just I just don't think the Jets sweep the Dolphins. It's it's just one of those gut feelings where 
you know, it's tough to play in the division. Jets always, you know, seem to have some struggles with Miami. And I, I think the Dolphins are a better team than they were in week three. I don't think they're a good team, but I think they're better than they were in week three. They've held so, their own against some better teams than the they Jets. They have, and I think that win against the Falcons was impressive. And, yeah. and, and I'm going to go with Miami, but I think it'll be a close game, similar to how we thought last week against New England could be a surprisingly close game, and it was. I think it could be a close game again. So just to quickly recap on the Jet Fuel podcast, Adam, you have the Dolphins 24-13. No, 23-14. 23-14. Okay. 23-14. So a nine-point win for Miami because you like to pick a weird score. And yeah, I guess a couple field goals in there. And I have the Jets also losing, but I have them losing by a little less. I have them falling 20-17. to 17. So that'll wrap up this week's edition of the Jet Fuel Podcast. Of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter at New York Jet Fuel. And you can follow us individually for a lot of Maryland football, but also a little <laughs> a little Jets coverage in there. I am at MMarcilla98. My boy Adam, at Adam underscore Zalanka. Follow us for all coverage on the DMV. And if you're from New Jersey, that's not the Department of Motor Vehicles. That is D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And I am just having too much fun with this. The, uh, <laughs> the lingo is catching on, Adam. Yeah, I, am, I, am, I am absorbed in it. But anyway... Follow us on Twitter, and of course, what are you doing if you don't check out the site? www.nyjetfuel.com. We will have you covered on the Jets throughout the season, and especially throughout Miami week. Thank you for listening to the Jet Fuel Podcast.